what we found through a lot of the research that we've been doing is that when two people share a role, oftentimes they're sharing the responsibilities, the KPIs of a role. And um, what that causes is this um, sort of mindset of, I'm not just performing for me, I'm performing for my partner as well. And it increases their individual level of performance. And there's a weekly handover. So as a result of that, they are operating with more meticulousness and more attention to detail in their job. And then um, they're also sort of coaching each other very regularly. And as a result, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge transfer and diversity of thought when people are working this way. That was Rollshare co-CEO and co-founder Sophie Smallwood. And in this episode of Redefining Work, Sophie and I sat down to talk about the sharing economy as it relates to jobs. We talk about mentorship. We talk about friendship. And in full disclosure, I am on the advisory board of Rollshare. So we talk about that as well. So we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. The Redefining Work podcast is sponsored by my company, Amplify. Amplify connects, develops, and empowers the next generation of transformative people leaders through HR Executive Search and the Amplify Academy Learning and Leadership Development Platform. Our executive search practice brings a modern approach to executive search by transparent pricing, unique access to emerging and established leaders, and onboarding advisory. Our Amplify Academy is changing how HR practitioners and leaders develop their careers through peer communities, the AI Learning Lab, and leadership development cohorts. Together, these platforms support our mission of building a better world of work by elevating the field of HR. You can learn more at AmplifyTalent.com. Now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Redefining Work. Redefining Work is a podcast examining the new world of work and exploring leaders that are really reshaping and helping us rethink the how, when, where, and what work happens. And there's a fantastic guest today to have that conversation because I think that she's doing some very disruptive stuff with her company Rollshare, and that is Sophie Smallwood. Sophie is the co-CEO and co-founder of Rollshare, and in full disclosure and transparency, uh, I am on the advisory board of Rollshare. So anytime I have a guest that I have any connection with on any level with them as an individual or their business, uh, I always disclose that transparency, and so this is one of those scenarios. But Sophie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I'd love to have you open with an introduction for our audience. Sure, it's great to be here. Yeah, I am Sophie, and uh, prior to Rollshare, which right now is one of my biggest passion projects, aside from my two little kids, I worked in tech. So uh, and before that, I worked in marketing and advertising. So I've always been attracted to the industries that are um, sort of hot in the moment, if you will. So advertising, when I started in advertising, was really the place to be, a very creative business, um, a lot around psychology and consumer behavior. And I remember still when blogs were the big thing, when I was still working in marketing and advertising, I started to get this FOMO around, um, you know, let's move over to tech. And then I moved over to e-commerce and was part of the eBay family, but specifically working on Magento e-commerce. And I know you and I have that in common as well. You spent and you helped uh, with uh, their people operations there, if I'm not mistaking at yeah, some point. Yep. Yeah. And then I moved over from California. I have a North American accent, but I'm an expat now living in London. And um, after eBay, 
moved over to, you know, Facebook and, um, well, now Meta, and have always worked on sort of the client side, really managing customer relationships, helping to deploy software, um, and making sure that we have adoption of various products within our customer base. And um, it's when I was at Facebook, I was working on a meta product, um, an alpha product, if you will. That was our first workplace product at, um, at Facebook at the time. It's now called Workplace by Meta. And I found the whole space of future of work, ways of working, just absolutely fascinating. And then eventually transitioned over to uh, Rollshare, which is a future of work technology, if you will. I mean, there's a lot I want to get into with Rollshare and even both the category and the business. Um, but you, you mentioned something that I want to come back to there, which is our, our kind of common thread at Magento. So, uh, yeah, your recollection was correct. Uh, I spent about uh, nine months uh, helping them ramp up for their acquisition by eBay. Uh, and we both had uh, a close friend that we worked with who I think became a bit of a mentor to both of us. And I want to just shine a light on him um, for a minute. Uh, so Bob Schwartz, Bob, when I joined, uh, he was the president, came from a rich you know, e-commerce background, uh, building Nordstrom.com and a range of other product projects uh, and worked with him. And it was interesting because I, you know, he and I clicked when we worked together. Um, but the real value in our, our relationship was just the, the length and duration. I mean, I was only there for nine months, but he became a mentor who's had a significant impact on my own career. And so I'd love to hear like, how, you know, tell me about your experience working with Bob and kind of how you stayed in touch with him after leaving uh, eBay. Yeah. And I think it's really important to look at Bob as a leader, but also when I look at the entire Magento leadership team, they all had this incredible quality about being human and being humble and just being one of the other players on the team. And um, everybody was really uh, positive, but direct with feedback. You always knew where you stood. You know, people were always given um, recognition for the work that they did. And people were given space to do their best work and to really align to their skills. And I think when I look back um, to my career, probably working at Magento and also my very first job in advertising, when I was the happiest because I had space to be creative and to really experiment and try things out. And I think with Bob, what really struck me was he was very charismatic and is a very charismatic person, had a unique quality of being able to connect with people very rapidly. And, um, and I think it's because it came from a place of genuineness, really. He was passionate about what he did. He was passionate about the Magento community. He, um, and, and so all of that just exuded through all of his interactions. And he was very helpful. You know, when I left um, Magento, stayed in touch with him. He was always helpful in trying to boost uh, visibility of the things that I was working on. And I think that kind of leadership transcends. You never know when you're going to run into each other again. And I yeah. think really maintaining those relationships um, are really powerful. And it's not like you're having coffee every week, but if that engagement you can have once in a while feels good, you'll remember it. 
Yeah, I mean, you're, you're so right about how he operates and I think his style. I mean, incredible leader, uh, incredibly genuine and thoughtful. Um, but really, you know, what was interesting to me is like how he would proactively take the time to continue to cultivate those relationships and, you know, mentor-mentee relationships, however you want to frame them. Um, he, he didn't need to do that, and he did. And I think looking back on my own career, like I was, I've been so fortunate to have a handful of mentors like Bob who've been instrumental in, in setting me on the course, whatever course I'm on, I owe it to them. And, and I still distinctly remember this, a conversation I had with Bob at one point. I was, you know, uh, making some adjustments with Amplify and kind of shifting the focus. Uh, and he just said, okay, like, enough. I was like, what is like, what, what do you want to, what do you want to do? What do you, what is your ideal life in five years? And he didn't frame it around the business. He framed it around life. Like, what do you want your life to be in five years? And, you know, I resisted the urge to spit out some business jargon bullshit. Cause I know that's not what he wanted to hear. And I really thought about it and it, and it, 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 it made me think about it in a way that I had never really thought about before, especially at the intersection of life and work and life and business and like what is the outcome for not just me but my family and everything else uh, that I wanted to create and so it was such a profound like for him he probably has lots of those conversations and that that prompt you know he, he said it never thought about it again I think about it annually I always think about it. am I still working towards that thing that Bob and I talked about and that's just so powerful I think when you have a leader that uh, and a mentor that prompts you in that way. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Then, so he brings us together. Uh, you're in the process, I think, when we first connected of leaving Meta. Lars, one thing I want to add, because yeah. again, another leader within um, the Magento space that really um, inspired me, obviously, Roy Rubin, who was the founder, yeah. um, amazing CEO, just I still keep in touch with him. He's phenomenal. He is definitely a mentor to me, had this really human great listening ability, but Susie Sedlicek was basically the person that I reported into. And she, in my view, is a, like literally, um, she should be sort of the um, textbook example of what a great leader is. And she, through our experience together, gave me so many great pieces of feedback, but one that she told me once, a piece of advice that really has stuck with me. And again, this is all the Magento like leadership um, community, but she said, you're still early in your career and always remember, you just never know where connections will come from in the future. She said, you need to treat everybody the same, right? So you treat the CEO of a company the same way you would treat the person who is delivering coffee or, you know, the, the, the cleaner, like everybody is the same human. You treat them like friends. And that is something that I've taken with me through my entire career, my life just generally ever since it was sort of highlighted to me and it makes total sense. And I think has helped me form relationships with people who are very senior and equally has opened up my eyes um, to relationships with others that maybe I hadn't really consciously made that effort to build relationships wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, and it's actually really fun to treat a CEO like a friend because it takes them by surprise. You know, yeah, you're you're right. I think that most are used to having uh, a different type of interaction um, with people that they interact with. So that uh, I, I can see how that will, you know, maybe be off-putting to some, but another is off-putting perhaps in a good way because now you know they they're not necessarily put on a pedestal. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so we, you know, so Bob connected us. I think you were still, you may have, were still at Meta at the time and had the idea of Rollshare. I don't know if you'd actually made that formal transition, but let's go back to that moment in time for you, you know, because obviously, you know, you had a successful corporate track, you know, you, you had a range of different uh, roles in different industries. You could have stayed the corporate track and, and pursued the vertical career path, you know, easily. Uh, yet you decided to step out of that and to build something. Take me back to that time and like, what was your thought process? What was your thinking? Where did the idea for Rollshare come from? And then when did you know it was time to, you know, leave Meta and, and really focus on this full time? So I think a lot of my decisions come down to some experiences I had. My mom um, passed away from cancer when I was still relatively young. So I think when you have something around like that happen in your life, it makes you think about living life to the fullest and not being afraid and just like taking risks. Um, but with Rollshare specifically, the idea of Rollshare came to me when I was at Meta, but the exposure to this category of work um, is something that I became aware of when I was working in marketing and advertising in LA. And um, it was very early in my career and I was managing to volunteer once a week, um, which was miraculous because the hours in marketing and advertising when you're early in your career are absolutely insane if you want to sort of climb up the ladder. But I remember meeting a woman um, who was volunteering with me. She uh, was a very senior herself in marketing and advertising. I think she was a director of media buying at Gray Advertising Agency. She was also a board member of this charity, and she had two young twins. And I remember just asking her point blank, wow, like how do you manage? I know how insane marketing and advertising is. How are you doing it? And that moment in time sort of was frozen. I remember the day of the week, a Wednesday, it was around seven o'clock at night. Her name was Heather, blonde hair, blue eyes. And she said, literally verbatim, I'm very lucky I share my job. And I was like really surprised. I'd never heard of this way of working. And so I asked her question after question after question. And within a, you know, impromptu 15 minute interview, I had everything I needed to know. And I realized that actually she was very lucky. Like a lot of stars had to align for her to be able to work this way. And at the time, you know, I think people were still using Lotus Notes. Maybe like Outlook was the hot new tool. I, I don't remember exactly. But, you know, enterprise communication tools and like sharing economy platforms just weren't what they are today. But through the years, and then I, you know, I moved from advertising to eBay, to then Facebook. Through the years, I would hear around um, these workforce-related challenges around gender diversity, gender seniority, just general diversity within organizations. People getting burnt out, people leaving, people not being able to explore passion projects, not feeling like they could do the things they really wanted to do, feeling trapped by careers, feeling trapped by the ladder, all these things, and. I would always ask myself, why are more companies not doing this thing, this job sharing thing? And it became a lot more personal to me when I was at Meta and um, I had my first child. I have two, um, two kids under six at the moment and I'm done. Two is enough for me. <laughs> but um, basically, I started to think about how I would at this point becoming a new parent and being very ambitious in my career do both really well. And my go-to was sort of what was the norm was let's look into part-time opportunities. And 
started to search around for that and was extremely disappointed by sort of the caliber of the roles, the types of companies, the seniority, the alignment to my skills, as well as, um, you know, just the general sense of stability for those roles. And I remember thinking about Heather, that woman, and I thought, well, job sharing, I, I could do this job. This job is a relationship-driven role. It's senior. I have a portfolio. I could start to imagine how I could do it. And so I started to think there's got to be a platform out there now that solves for this. I mean, you can share anything short of a toothbrush through some kind of an online platform these days. And so I started to search like job share platform, job share matching, like there was really nothing that was like succinct and clear. And it frustrated me, it frustrated me that this hadn't been something that was solved for. And so I think we kind of met around that time where I was on mat leave and I was really thinking about my coming back plan. And, and so I started to do a bit of research really. Um, so I don't remember who spoke before I left Facebook or just as I left. Um, that account really pinpoint exactly. But the reason why I ended up actually making the leap, um, after Matt leave, I came back to Facebook, tried to do the juggle, um, and just found myself completely failing on the family side of things as far as like feeling like I was a present parent to this little human being that I made the decision with my partner to bring into the world. Um, and because of this like fear of having regrets, I don't want to have regrets. Um, I wanted to make sure that this was something that existed. It's something that I felt that I would have used if it existed. I decided to just make the leap and, and leave. Now, you know, full transparency, my partner, who is now my, my co-founder, was working at PayPal. Like, we still had one income in the family with the kid and stuff. So at least we needed that. But um, I felt enough confidence in this idea and enough belief and felt like I, I could make a difference based on the knowledge that I had and the experience that I had with my tech background, the personal experience, understanding the user. Um, we had to explore it. We did a bunch of work as well. Dave was going and doing his executive MBA at London Business School. We validated the concept with some research through that medium as well. And, you know, once I had enough data to support me in making the leap, I decided to, to jump and make it happen. HR leaders today are under immense pressure to deliver results for the business, navigate new social and business climates, and build adaptable people programs built for these dynamic times. We're often asked to do more with less. The new world of work requires new ways to learn and develop our capabilities as HR and people practitioners. The Amplify Academy was built from the ground up to help people leaders efficiently and effectively connect with diverse learning needs for today and tomorrow. The Amplify Academy provides you with highly curated resources, exclusive content, courses, and a community designed to help people leaders effectively support your organization and each other. There are two components to the Amplify Academy, the Amplify Academy Learning Lab and Community and the Amplify Academy Leadership Development Cohorts. The Learning Lab and Community includes an AI learning platform that includes a range of courses, resources, templates, presentations, reports, and more to support the learning needs of today's HR and people practitioners. The Learning Lab subscriptions also include access to the Amplify Academy Slack community, a purpose-designed community to help you build your network equity, 
and connect, collaborate, and grow your network with peers around the world. The Amplify Academy cohorts are four-week immersive peer learning programs designed to help you build the leadership skills and network you need to lead successful teams in the new world of work. Cohort students learn from world-class guest instructors with past instructors including Katie Burke, Katarina Berg, Lynn Oldham, Pat Waters, Claude Silver, Nellie Peshkoff, and so many more. Want to supercharge your people team? Be sure to check out the Academy for Teams product. It's designed to give your people teams access to all 450 plus resources in the learning lab and build their network equity in the Slack community, as well as their leadership ability in the Amplify Academy cohorts. You can learn more about all of this at amplifytalent.com slash academy. Now back to the show. Well, you know, I'd love to get your advice on this because I imagine there's a lot of uh, people in the audience right now who maybe they're noodling on an idea, right? Maybe they have a concept in their mind they've been thinking of. Uh, maybe it's based on experience like yours. Maybe it's based on what they see as a need in the market. Um, but the making the leap from corporate to, you know, bootstrap startup is scary and it's hard. And it was scary and hard when you did it. It was scary and hard when I did it 10 years ago. Now we're in this environment where we have an uncertain economy. And obviously they're, they're, it's it's certainly scary now. What advice would you have? And, 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 and specifically around like, I think for a lot of people, they may have deep domain expertise, which is what gives them the confidence in like understanding product market fit. Um, you know, but they've never, perhaps they've never run a business. They've always been in corporate, like looking back and maybe, maybe, uh, thinking back to some of the hurdles you had to overcome in the early days of that transition. What advice might you have for listeners and viewers who, uh, you know, maybe at that similar kind of crossroads in their career, deciding whether to build this thing or kind of stay on the corporate path? I mean, people have bills to pay, right? So first, like, can you do this is the first question. Everyone's situation will be different and you can make a plan, right? So if it's something that you believe in enough and you've got data to support it in the same way that an investor is going to be doing their due diligence to invest in you, you need to do a bit of due diligence to see whether or not you have enough belief to give up that security of the full-time position. And then I would say it's about you know, aligning yourself with a co-founder. I find being a solo founder is very difficult as far as what, what I've heard from people out there, there's benefits to being a solo founder, but it can be a very lonely journey. And especially if you don't have all the skills yourself, like you said, you don't have perhaps the experience of running a business. Maybe you're not an ops driven person. Maybe you're better on the creative side of things. Then you want to find someone who could compliment you. Um, and if it's a technology platform, a lot of investors, assuming you would want to move on the VC side of things, a lot of um, investors are looking for um, sort of unique products. So they like having sort of technical founders as well. So you just have to think about the mix. In essence, you want to find your match for a co-founder. I think that's, that's an important thing. And then um, it's just about conviction. Is this something that you're passionate enough about that you're willing to give up? Um, you know, the, the, the security of having a full-time position, the experience you gain, having an idea is one thing, making an idea come to life, truly having some success 
some successes that you can tie back to it, you know, that's hugely rewarding. It's also an incredible learning opportunity. The exposure that you get to a small, in a small business versus what you would gain from being in a large company are very different. There's both, both will provide incredible career experience, but I think, you know, uh, you'll get a lot wider depth of exposure when you're running your own business. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, that experience is very desirable from a company perspective, especially in companies where they are looking for entrepreneur, that entrepreneurial spirit um, could certainly benefit from those skills. So for me, I always think what's the worst case scenario is that you gain incredible skills that you can then apply to other opportunities, but that's the plan B. Focus on the plan A, which is to make your business successful. Yeah, I mean, all really good points. And I do appreciate how you started off from the financial aspect, because I think, um, you know, it's it's easy to kind of sit back and be like, oh, follow your dreams, and right? And do this. And there's lots of, uh, you know, quote unquote thought leaders out there giving, uh, you know, bad advice that doesn't necessarily isn't grounded in the reality that different people face. And so that, that having that as as established, uh, I, I think is a great kind of foundation and something that you've just got to be real about if you're looking to make this move. You've got to have that um, that savings, that, you know, that, that, you know, freedom fund, whatever you want to call it, um, that's a backup or be in a situation where you have a partner who still has a, a full-time income. And so, you know, you getting back into Rollshare for, uh, for all the audience who may not be familiar with the category broadly, like I think, you know, Rollshare in a simple term, people probably get, okay, like two people are sharing one role. But it's much more than that. And I would love for you, obviously, the, the audience is primarily uh, HR and people leaders and business leaders who are interested in kind of this new world of work. How do you make the case for the category of role sharing? And then kind of next, I want to dig into like what you're building to support that. But let's just level set at the category level first. So job sharing really is a category of its own. It doesn't squarely fit in flexible working, though it enables it. Um, it also is a way to help upskill, reskill people because there's this incredible sort of um, environment of peer-to-peer knowledge transfer. So the way we think about it is it's a category of its own that can really support companies in helping to drive retention as well as um, you know attracting a new category of talent who aren't looking to work full-time but have the desire for sort of those roles that are typically only for full-time employees, so mid to senior level uh, roles that are strategic in nature, sort of across the business. And um, what I think is really interesting with job sharing, people oftentimes sort of have this idea, oh yeah, it's for, for moms. Yes, of course. It's a great way to bring moms that are skilled back into the workforce or keep them. But equally, we're seeing that a lot of people who are interested in job sharing in our community today are freelancers who sort of left the workforce because and are freelancing because they needed that flexibility, because they like the diversity, they want to work on side projects. We have people who are experienced professionals who want to go back to school, who know that for maybe two years they can't carry on at the same capacity in their existing roles. And we're seeing a rise in the portfolio professionals, people who want and value the career they've built up to this point, but also want to serve on boards or do volunteering or maybe work on a startup like I did, right? Again, if only Rollshare had existed already when I was thinking of starting my own company, but then I would have had a serious competitor to build a company against because Rollshare already would have existed, right? But um, I think it, it's it's that. 
understanding that it's it is definitely for for women, but it's also for a wider base of um, employees. And then why not, you know, part time? Why not just split a job? Well, what we found through a lot of the research that we've been doing is that when two people share a role, oftentimes they're sharing the responsibilities, the KPIs of a role. And um, what that causes is this um, sort of mindset of, I'm not just performing for me, I'm performing for my partner as well. And it increases their individual level of performance. And there's a weekly handover. So as a result of that, they are operating with more meticulousness and more attention to detail in their job. And then um, they're also sort of coaching each other very regularly. And as a result, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge transfer and diversity of thought when people are working this way. So I think, you know, it stands on its own. It's to show you can work flexibly, but equally you're gaining new skills and the company can actually create this unicorn talent, if you will, um, that can solve for a wider depth of skills for the jobs that they're looking to fill. Um, and then... Did you have a question about the platform as far as how? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, so okay, so now you you, you kind of um, you know calibrated the what the space is. How now does RollShare kind of specifically enable this? Like, what are the mechanics of of how the platform works on both the um, the kind of uh, applicant and candidate side and the company side? So uh, companies can leverage the RollShare platform to match employees together to share full-time positions um, or matching them with our own community of people who want to work this way. So in essence, retaining employees, helping to move them, you know, um, together and to mobilize them in a less than full-time capacity, but together, right? So they can stay at the same band level within the organization. They can stay, have their skills still aligned to the right roles, but on a fractional basis together. And then we also have this community of people we're building on our own that want to work this way. So we can provide the liquidity for companies who are looking to surface talent, but they typically just don't have visibility of for their full-time position. So we match employees, employees to talent externally, and also we bring net new talent together as well. So if a company wants to open up all their jobs to full-time candidates and also role share applicants, we can provide them with um, that talent um, in sort of a, a joint form. So, so what advice do you have? Like if somebody's watching right now and they're thinking, hey, you know what, this is a, a, a solution and approach that can align well with our, our talent strategy, our talent management process uh, and our business's needs, um, where should they start? H how, should they, how should they make the case to their you know, CEO and executive team as to why role sharing uh, makes sense uh, in that environment? So the first question would be how important is bringing in diverse talent for their existing roles and equally how important is it for them to retain talent, right? And so if those two questions are, it's important, then definitely role share makes sense. Then the other thing is this is really a way to help perhaps if you've never done it before to look at areas within your business that typically suffer from less diversity. Um, there, for example, if technology um, doesn't have as much diversity and you want to bring in more, more tech talent, more women tech talent, you could sort of focus on that area of the business. We invite anybody to list their roles for free with us. So there's literally no loss. Come post your roles with us and we can, you know, see what happens from there. And um, it's more like 
there's nothing to lose. It's only an opportunity to gain access to a new category of talent for your organization. And from an employee perspective, same. Is there an area of the business that perhaps has experienced significant churn where they, they want to perhaps provide more opportunities to bring in new talent as well? Uh, where you, there's an opportunity in, in some cases where there's um, a certain demographic where you have a lot of graduating talent who are approaching semi-retirement. Can you help to transfer that knowledge between this population and another population? So there's different um, use cases that we can look at. And it's just a matter of a conversation. Um, every business will face its own challenges. But what we all know is that they would like to save, if at all possible, on retention and also um, acquisition, it's an expensive um, cost. So if we can help with both sides, happy to have a conversation. All right, so if, if people are curious, they wanna learn more, uh, where should they go? So just visit Rollshare or email me, sophie at rollshare.com. Okay. Well, Sophie, I, I enjoyed you know catching up. It's always cool to hear your perspective on the the kind of Rollshare economy specifically, but also fun just to catch up on your, uh, your career and what you're building and, uh, and then throw a little shine on Bob as well. Uh, I know he's had a big impact on both of us. So, um, we wrap up every episode with a lightning round to help the audience get to know our guests a little bit better. And, uh, we start with music. And so I'm going to go there first. What was your first concert? You too. You too. Okay. That's strong. <laughs> That's a strong start. All right, that's a that's a high bar, and I hope hopefully your uh, your second concert wasn't a crushing disappointment after you two. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is bringing you joy lately? The the thing that gave me joy most recently um, is uh, we've been reading stories to my son every night, my daughter. We do story time, and uh, we, we we lie next to them in their beds as we read the books. And uh, my son, having done hundreds of stories, hundreds of nights of stories with my son, the bed broke because of our, the parents, you know, too heavy. And so we got my son a bunk bed and re his reaction literally just brought so much happiness to me. So yeah. just, you know, like the things you do for your kids and how they react to it brings me a ton of joy. I mean, bunk beds to kids are like the coolest possible piece of furniture so you can ever like, acquire. So yeah. my son is quite a cool six year old, like, you know, uh, hey, mom, he already he's just saying, hey, mom. But when he <laughs> saw that bunk bed, he was squeaking. I'm like, I didn't know that came, that existed. OK, there we go. Yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, well, Sophie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your career story. Uh, and again, if you want to connect with Sophie after the episode, uh, you get a rollshare.com or Sophie at rollshare.com. Um, thanks so much and best of luck as you continue to build this with Dave. Thanks, Lars. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Redefining Work. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, and more, be sure to check out amplifytalent.com slash podcast. And if you dig this podcast, I strongly encourage you to share it with your CEO, leadership team, and friends to help others discover it. And if you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever your preferred podcast delivery vehicle is. We'll see you next episode.